Well, we have a lot to get into today, so we're going to the book of Revelation, chapter 4. So if you would, if you've not been with us, you can actually pick up our notes uh, online if you'd like to do that. Today, Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, we're going to cover two, and there's only 11 verses in chapter 4, and there's only the, the less uh, 14 verses in chapter 5. So, uh, But we're going to cover these verses, and we will only do skipping rocks again today, unfortunately. Uh, some folks said, listen, I want to know more about this or more, the, more about that in Revelation. I don't feel like we're getting everything out of it, and we're not. So we're going to have a fall study, a discipleship study in the fall, where we can actually go into classrooms and have a around-the-coffee-table conversation about the things that you want to know more about. But there's a, there's a broader sense here for us to understand today that God wants us to think about heaven. All the songs that we just sang this morning are going to be sung in heaven, or Already, John's telling us, have been sung or are currently being sung in heaven. And so when you talk about hallelujah, maybe you're not from the church uh, sphere, and you say, well, what does that even mean? How do you raise a hallelujah? It simply means, it's Hebrew for praise the Lord. So when you raise a praise the Lord, you can say amen, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When we say worthy is the Lamb, you say praise the Lord or Amen, amen, this is true. Amen means this is true. So watch this. God is good. When, when preachers close the service, sometimes they'll say, and all God's people say, and I wait for them to say amen, I say praise the Lord. I like to just mix it up a little bit on the preachers, right? It shouldn't be rote from your memory. It should be something from your heart that compels you to say amen. Praise the Lord, this is true. God is good. This is the place of God to actually give him praise and glory. This is a place to fall on your knees and worship Him. He's good. Amen? Amen. He's good. And listen, when we read His Word today, so many people will want to take chapter 4 and chapter 5. I've been contacted by email and by Facebook. I've been told what to preach and what not to preach. So let me tell you, I get you a handout today. I want you to pick it up. And we're going to talk about pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. But I'm not going to waste time from this pulpit today to fight with anybody about what's right or what's wrong. The answer is nobody knows but God. That's why we divide over the small things. But here's what I want you to know. Heaven's real. Hell's real. And there's only one way to get to heaven today. So if you come to fight, you've messed up your whole spiritual mindset of why we're here. We didn't come here to fight. We come here to unify under the banner of Christ. How foolish can a man be to say he knows it all? There are men who will walk up to me, and like I said, you should see some of the things I've, I've read. People have told me, hey, you got it wrong. Well, I said, okay, then if I got it wrong, I'll say I told you so on the way up. Right? There's different people who believe different things because we can't. Listen, God made no cookie cutters when you're trying to explain God. Uh, there's some things we're going to read about the four and 24 elders. That's the King James, New King James. It's just 24 elders. Some say it's the 12 from the 12 tribes of Israel. And some say the other 12 is, is the apostles. And some say it's just a band of angels that God's highly promoted. Some say it's just counselors that God's put there around the throne of God. And some of you are going to walk up to me after church and say, Pastor, I know who it is. Don't waste your time. I don't want to know your opinion because the Bible says there's four and 24 elders. Guess what I believe? There's four and 24 elders. It didn't give me their names, so I don't need their names. Thank you very much. You want to know what I believe? We'll sit back and talk about it because I do have some beliefs on it. But I don't care to hear what you believe because you don't know either. Does that make you mad? 
Some of y'all turning red in the face because you're like, I was about to go tell him about church. Don't waste your time. Talk about Jesus. Tell me how good he is. Tell me how he changed your life saying there's things we don't know. Some people will spend their whole life trying to figure out who the four and 24 elders are, and we are not explicitly told. Some want to know what these weird-looking creatures are. I want to explain it. One means power and authority. One means it's omniscient. Listen, I believe all those things as well. There's things I have beliefs on these things, but we don't want to spend Sunday morning trying to get into a fight, a dog fight, and say, let's separate the church so that we can actually go our ways, or at least three ways, and now there's about ten ways. Because every time man thinks he knows something, he'll teach a new doctrine. And he'll come up with his own doctrine. There'll be a, a title for that doctrine and say, do you believe this? And all you have to say, brothers and sisters, listen, I believe what this word says. Well, what about this part? I don't understand what that part means. Amen? That is a mystery of God, right? I don't understand it fully. I can talk about it when I can take Scripture and say, listen, I believe the Scripture believes this is what's said. I can go Scripture upon Scripture. But everything in the book of Revelation, listen, after today, chapter 3 was over, and this is where people argue. And I don't care. I'm not here to argue. I'm just telling you some of the arguments so you're prepared to talk to your friends and family about the book of Revelation. Chapter 2, chapter 3 was all about who? Do you remember last week? The church, the seven churches of Asia. It was full to the church of, to the church of. And I told you it was ESP, TSP, and the losers, right? That's the way I can remember it. ESP. Remember the first church? Who was it? Ephesus. Who was the S? P. Pergamum or Pergamus, right? It can be the one. Who's the T? Thyatira, good. Who's the S? Good. And, and then come back and actually, who's the P? Philadelphia. And then finally, who's the L? Laodicea. That's the church that's lukewarm. So two and three, chapters two and three, chapters one. Let me go back. Chapters one, we got introduced to the Alpha and the Omega, the A to the Z, did we not? Before all, at the end of all, and beyond that, on both ways. That's who we got introduced to. It says, I am. Jesus says, as a matter of fact, I am. Amen? That's what he said. Go back and look for yourself if you wouldn't hear. And then in chapters 2 and 3, we saw he spoke to the churches, specific churches that are in Asia. But he also spoke to us at the church today, and he said, I'm going to promise you something. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches. And then he made this reward system based up. Get this right, repent of your sin, and get this reward. And we can hear it today, and somebody says, well, the, the churches are seven different periods of time. I don't know that to be true. Listen, but I just know he spoke to the seven churches that were in Asia because he said so. Amen? And, and I know it represents the time. The church of the 21st century is very much like the church of Laodicea. We're neither hot nor cold. Evangelism's down. Baptisms are down. We don't share the faith. We're tired. We're afraid of being fired. We're afraid of being persecuted. We're afraid that the boys who want to be girls are, will misunderstand. We're afraid the confused people in our society will rise up and come and take our house or take something from us. We won't stand on the Word of God anymore. We're just like the church of Laodicea. So are we in that last day? I know we're in the last days, brothers, because Paul said in the last days, perilous times will come. Look for yourself. 2 Timothy chapter 3, look that up for yourself. You can read what the last days, and we're living right in the middle of those scriptures. You get squeezed right between verse 2 and 3 and 4. You're like, man, I can't get out of this because the 21st century looks so much like the Word of God. Do you think God knew what he was talking about? Did you think God knows man's sinful heart? 
100% he knows. So today, as we get into the chapter 4, chapter 5, if you're pre-tribulation, God bless you. If you're mid-tribulation, God bless you. If you're post-tribulation, I think you're confused, but God bless you. All right, let's continue. All right, I can give a little bit all the way around, but I, I don't fully understand it, but let's go. Somebody said, How, Pastor, where do you land the plane? Here's where I land the plane. I'll just so you know, before we have a break, I'm pre-tribulation. I believe that if you look at chapter 3, it's over. You don't see the church again until chapter 19 or 20 in Revelation. The ecclesia is not mentioned at all in chapter 4 through 19. You won't find us there. So where are we if we're not in there going through this crazy, not hell on earth, but tribulation on earth. There's seven years of tribulation. Where are we? And you got to go back and say, there's got to be either we're here going through it, we're taking up halfway, or we're up in heaven going through the judgment seat of Christ. And then we'll have to look and see what the Word of God says. And we don't have time this morning to tell you that all that you have. You have a handout. It's going to be given to you at the end if you'd like to have it. Don't leave without it. And it's going to actually explain just a little bit. On the handout, this is something that's important. I didn't create the handout. I used the handout from, I told you, different sources. And we use Got Questions because it answers pretty broadly the questions. And here's what the topic is, and I'll get right into the scripture. When considering any question involving eschatology, that's a big word that means the study of end times. That's all it means. Don't let somebody overtalk you about their eschatology beliefs. All they're saying is, this is what I believe about end times, okay? Eschatology, the study of end times, all right? And if somebody says, my theology of eschatology, they like to talk up here, right? Theology is the study of God, all right? Don't theo and theology, right? It's the study of God. Don't somebody try to overtalk you and try to talk you into something. Listen, the Word of God does not say. So the study of God, theology, and eschatology, the study of end times. What is God's theology on the, his eschatology? Only he knows, amen? But you can know as well. And he wants you to don't let somebody high talk you that actually confuses you with the Bible. Because everybody... We don't want to read the book of Revelation. You know why? Because Satan don't want you to read it because there's a blessing promise in chapter 1. Those who read it and those who hear it, there's a blessing among us from God. That's a promise from God. So if Satan can spook you, boo, out of Revelation, you go, I don't want to read that. It's full of all kinds of mysteries and creatures and things I don't know nothing about. Can I tell you something this morning? You don't know nothing about those creatures at all. Besides what's been written here. What Ezekiel and what Daniel tells us a little bit. We just get like, today's sermon is simply this, peeking into the door of heaven. You ever peeked into something? You had a surprise? My wife is the worst. She's not here today. All the women are still at Women of Joy. They're having a good time. I haven't seen them do anything related to Jesus, but I have seen them at the beach and, and shops and things like that. I don't know what they're doing, but they call it a conference. So what, what that's worth? Husbands, I just, have you seen the pictures? But anyway, they're having a good time. They're having a, a great time. But here's what I want you to know this morning. My wife is the world's worst. She used to take and steam open the presents at Christmas. She'd take the tape and steam it. And then she would open up the presents, see what she had, and then tape them back before anybody knew that, what they were. Wendy Smith, I'm calling her out. I know she's watching this morning. That's what she did. Why are y'all laughing? Anybody do that here? She just wanted to sneak peek at what was she was going to get because nobody would tell her. She had to know what was going to happen. Here's what we have. John has given us a sneak peek into heaven. And y'all, it's loud. It's crazy. There's some things, if we had saw this going on right here, if we walked in this morning and what was happening here was happening in this church, we'd probably run out as quick as we can because we'd be overwhelmed by the noise and by the sights and the sounds, the beautiful, the, the beauty that was actually happening. We would be overcome 
with love, joy, fear, the whole nine yards. I'm wasting a lot of time. Let's get into it. Here we go. I want you to see this. Here's what we believe on. Most Christians believe on these three things. There is coming a time of great tribulation such as the world has never seen before. Remember Joel? There was a time. Joel said there's a time coming. This is on your notes as the handout goes. Number two, after the tribulation, Christ will establish his kingdom on earth, a thousand-year reign. Some of you do not believe in the millennial kingdom, and I'm telling you, you're listening to the wrong podcast. There is a millennial kingdom. There's a thousand-year reign of Christ. He says it at least five times in Revelation. And if God says it one time, he means it. But if he says it five times, for goodness sake, can't you pick up what he's putting down? He's trying to tell you that there's going to be a time that Jesus is going to rule and reign on this earth and show mankind that no matter what he does, mankind is sinful and evil to the core. There'll be peace. There'll be time that we actually, actually, we'll be loving. Those of us that are saints of God today before the rapture, we'll be loving on him. We'll be living right because, you know what, we have no choice. We have been redeemed. We have our new bodies but there's a group of people, we don't fully understand how this works, but there's a group of people, and I have my ideas, and there's some explanation we do from the Word of God that's going to come through the tribulation, that's going to bow up, if you will, um, and, and they're going to come through and make it through the tribulation, and it'll be in the millennial period, and they're going to bow up on Christ, as it were. They're going to sin against God, because mankind without Christ is always doomed for hell. There should be an amen right there. And we've got to do something about it. All right? So we'll agree, most Christians... And then finally, there, is a, there will be a rapture, a catching away from this mortal to immortality. For believers, as described in John 14, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, the only question regards the timing of the rapture is, when will it occur in re- relation to the tribulation and the second coming of Christ? I'm going to give you this handout. It's four pages. If you want it when you leave out, grab one. If Wait around. We'll make you copies if you didn't get one as you leave. I can't preach all of it in one setting. So if you have some questions, I'd love to answer your questions, but I will not debate you right now. That'll come in the fall. If you want to sit down, we won't smoke cigars, but we can drink coffee, okay? And we'll sit around the table and talk about, thus said the Word of God. Or here's a variable that we don't know anything about, that we don't fully understand. Everybody understand? We're on the same page? All right, let's let's dive in. Here we go. Chapter 4. Then we got to go. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. There's that shofar again, that loud voice, speaking with me, saying, come up here. By the way, can I tell you this? And you're going to have this in your notes. Heaven is a real place. Amen? God's throne is in heaven. So when we talk about heaven, and people write books, 90 seconds in heaven, can I please advise you, don't ever read that trash and don't go see those movies. Some fools come up and tell you what they've seen in heaven. They saw the grandma, they saw all these other people. Don't listen to the foolishness of mankind. We have memories, we, have, we don't know how the body fully works. But listen, when John goes to heaven, John don't even talk about God much. He goes, I was just so overwhelmed. He talks all about God around him, right? He sees the lion, he sees the lamb, but he says around the throne there was this rainbow. You, well, we're going to read it. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let's go. we, we got to get into some good stuff. But listen, watch this. Which way is north? Everybody point to the north. Point to the north. All right, some of y'all with my wife, right? That way's up, right? There's the east. You never eat soggy waffles, all right? Which way is north? This way-ish, right? All right. What I want you to know is that way's north, that way's up. So when someone says, Well, where is heaven? You say heaven is up. 
where did the Lord say the Son of Man descended from, right? And, and even when the disciples sitting there watching like this, it says, he, the angel said, where do you disciples sitting here? Acts chapter 1, look for yourself. Why are y'all sitting here gawking, gazing up into the sky? This same Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, is going to come down the same way he went up. So when somebody says, where's heaven? You say, heaven's up. He's, it's up. Where? Well, there's three heavens the Bible talks about. You just need to know this really quick. There's three different heavens. Get your Mormon friends right because they'll tell you there's three specific heavens for them. They are 100% occult. Do you understand that? Mormonism is an occult. The end. Jehovah Witnesses are occult. They change the word of God for their own liking and their own way of living. They're an occult. Get away from them. Don't even entertain them. Don't beat them at their game. Because John says, listen, in, in the gospel, I mean, the first, second, third John, don't even let that false teaching into your house. Don't go to them trying to beat them. Don't go to, don't let them come to you and try to beat them. Just have a front porch conversation. Amen? Tell them about Jesus. You share Jesus, but they're not to come into your house. You're not to go into their house. They're false witnesses. Amen? That might shock some of you because you I got a neighbor. He's really, Pastor, he's a really good man. Listen, if he is in the Mormonism, he is in a cult. It sounds just like us. They talk about God the Father. They talk about God the Son. They talk about the Holy Spirit. But they, listen, Joseph Smith, the founder, said, I saw God the Father standing at the foot of my bed. Read his own words. Can you see the Father and live? Not according to Scripture. So if John Smith saw God the Father, guess what? Either you got a special revelation from God, or he's a liar, right? He's a liar. So what do you think he is? You think God lied to all of us in the Bible that no man has seen God the Father and lived? Or do you think Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, said, I saw God the Father at the foot of my bed, and I saw God the Son physically standing at the foot of my bed? That's his own witness. If you get a Book of Mormon, you can see that in the front. I don't know if they still have it in there. Can you see God the Father and live? Does God the Father have flesh and bone like you and me? No, there was only one, listen, there's only one who's ever lived, and he was spirit, and he came to this earth in the form, listen, of a baby and a virgin. He was born, virgin born. And listen, the Bible says he was raised. He walked like a man. He never sinned. He was tempted like we're tempted, but he never sinned. He went to an old rugged cross. He died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, and listen, he really did die. He was dead dog dead, amen? He died. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Why was it borrowed? Because he didn't plan to stay there. Because he said, in three days, I'll be resurrected. And the Bible says God raised him from the dead. Amen? Amen. Listen, it's time to fight and get to shouting in here, right? Because it's something that God said, he promised, and he did it. And he says, listen, I'm going away. I'll show you in the scriptures. He said, I'm going away, boys. But if I go away, I'm coming again. And he said, I'm going to prepare a what? A place. And that place, listen, I got a place in heaven. It's a real place. Anybody ever told you that? Listen, I got a place at the lake. And you roll up to the lake and then I got a little bench that you can sit on look at the lake. And you thought, oh, I thought we were come to say it's your place. I didn't know that was your place, right? No, no, I just drive up here and love to sit at my place and look out at the lake. And you were thinking what? They got a house at the lake, like a place to stay. Well, the Lord Jesus ain't going to prepare a little sitting, sight, and see place for you. He's going to prepare a permanent place for you that wherever God is, there you will be also. Isn't that good news this morning? Listen, give God a hand clap of praise. He's good. He's good. Let's continue. 
Jump back into the Word. Let's go. John's going to just, he's scattered as bad as I am today. Watch this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one, capital one, set on the throne. And he who sat there was like Jasper and Sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne. Some people will argue about the rainbow. Was it this way, or was it this way? Or was it this way? Or was it this way? It doesn't matter. It was a rainbow around the throne of God that John saw. He can't explain it. He says, it's like, it's like, it's like. All I can tell you is, listen, man, so overwhelming. It's like he was trying to get us to fall in love with Jesus all over again. He knew Jesus. He walked with him, but he keeps saying, it's like. Heaven's so beautiful. This throne is like. And he kept saying, I saw this rainbow. I see these colors. I see these stones. And there's a lot of reference to the Old Testament here, but we don't have time to get into it. Let's continue. In appearance like an emerald, this rainbow was. Around the throne, verse 4, were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne, and by the way, they had real robes, and they had real heads and real crowns. Amen? Not spirit, don't, don't, don't get into the, because Revelation will take you to the future, and then we'll look back, we'll look at the present. But Jesus said, I am the one who was, and who is, and who is to come. So he's, do we have a problem looking that way, this way, and that way? I don't either. Listen, he's the master of all times. Listen, he's not controlled by time, he's the creator of time. Let's continue. Verse 5, and from the throne proceeded, here we go, lightnings. How many of y'all like to watch a lightning storm? Me and my wife will rip the curtains back, turn the couch around, and just watch a nice, not dark night, watch the lightning all over the back of the, there's a big field behind our house. We'd love to watch it. John's seeing that. Lightnings and thunders and voices, it's loud in heaven, y'all, just for the record. If some of you thought the music was loud, or everything in the music's loud, I got good news or bad news for you. If you like it, it's going to be better. If you don't like it, well, you're going to be changed in a new body, so just, uh, you're going to like it, all right? There's thunders and voices, seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Oh, no, you mean there's seven Holy Spirits. We'll talk about it later. There's only one Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, how, do we, how do we rationalize this seven? Seven is absolutely that perfect number of God, and John's seeing something. He's, he's seeing completion. He's seeing perfection around the throne of God. Don't get caught up in somebody said, aha. So that means there's seven spirits, and there's the Father, and there's the Son. That means there's nine personages of the, of the Godhead. Don't get caught in that foolishness. We serve a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If you're ever confused, it's not from God's point of view. It's from yours. You don't know enough about God or enough about Scripture to realize what he's trying to tell us. Let's go. Here we go. Verse 6. Before the throne was like a sea of glass, like crystal. Somebody says, well, is that water? Does it matter? What's before the throne? It looks like a sea of glass. Some say it was diamonds. Some people say frozen water. I don't. It's there, right? And we'll talk about it later. If you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. It's a beautiful picture. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living, a living creature was like a calf or oxen. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. They do have meanings, by the way, but we can't get into them today. Just satisfy your heart here. There's four creatures before the throne, around the throne, right? The four living creatures had six wings. Uh, they were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, holy, 
holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And guess what? They're saying the same thing Jesus said about himself. So you can take it from the elders. You can take it from the Lord himself. Or you can take it from these weird-looking creatures, right? Or you can take it from the angels just a minute. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and guess what? Who is to come. Amen? Church, he's coming for us again. Isn't that a beautiful thing? No one thinks it's a beautiful thing. All right. It's a beautiful thing. All right. Let's continue. Verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. How long is God going to live? Forever and ever. Why? You don't know God like I know him, do you? Oh, you say, yes, I do. I know him because he changed my life. I ask him to come into my heart and life. I confess with my mouth. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I ask him to come into my heart and life. Therefore, because I ask, he said, whoever asks, gets, and I have received the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his grace and the faith that he gave me to believe in him that I'm saved today. I get a little excited about being saved, church. Listen, you should too. Here's what, the, here's what happens to those astute, distinguished executives sitting around the throne. The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Amen? Who created all things? Specifically, Jesus. Go back to John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. Nothing was made that was made by Him. Listen, nothing was made, wasn't made unless it was made by Him. When we as Americans say we are endowed from our creator, listen, all the rights that we have in America, who are we saying that we got our rights from? The Lord Jesus Christ, the maker of heaven and earth. Come on, y'all don't understand the Jesus I'm talking about. Let's go. Here we go. Chapter 5. Let's go. Turn the page. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. This thing's locked up, y'all. It's got a lot of seals on it. And then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Don't you like this? The Bible says when we brag today, who should we brag on? The Lord Jesus Christ. So this strong angel, whoever it is, I don't know if it's Gabriel, I don't know if it's Michael, I don't know who it is. He walks out and he goes, it's like, are you ready to rumble? Right? He's coming out. He's going to say, who is worthy to open this seven-sealed scroll. He's a strong angel. You'd say, well, you're strong, dude. You do it. He's not worthy. He's not strong enough. He's announcing. He's getting ready to rumble. He's, here we go. We're ready to announce because it says he says with a loud voice. That's why I have a loud voice today, y'all. Heaven's noisy, so I'm trying to be noisy today. Amen? It's a noisy part of Scripture. It's just loud. All right. Verse 3, and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. No one can even look at this scroll. So what does John do? Mr. Tenderheart, he used to be called Son of Thunder. He was one of the two, right? He was a tough character, wanting to call down fire from heaven and burn the Samaritans up. But now later as he got to know Jesus and Jesus got to know him and he's had this intimate walking relationship with Jesus, he fell in love with Jesus, and Jesus pulled out of him all that crazy toughness, and he brought to the surface the character and nature of God, which is love. 
And what does John do when no one can open this scroll? Because there's secrets and mysteries in this scroll. And John wants to know because God has brought him up to see and reveal these things. Remember, we're preaching through the book of Revelation. All right, here we go. So I wept, verse 4, so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to even look at it. There it is again. Verse 5. Here comes that angel. And listen, let's get ready to rumble, right? Here we go. But one of the elders said to me, one of the 24, by the way, right? And and by the way, just as a side note, if you think the elders, 12 of them are the 12 apostles, you could be right. And 12 are from the 12 tribes of Israel, you could be right. John is looking at himself in the future, if that's true. Amen? Could you imagine if it's John talking to John? I don't know if that's to be true. I don't want to confuse you. I just want you to know if you have that theology that this is the 12 apostles. John is one of the apostles who has not died yet. He's been brought up in the spirit, and he's actually looking at himself with his glorified body. He sees himself potentially, potentially. Don't get that mixed up with your theology. I just want to put that out there in case you that's what you believe. And by the way, just for the record, that's what I believe. All right. It, I, it come to me, I'm like... He's seeing himself, not that he's talking to himself. I don't know if this is the one, but one of the elders, watch what the elder says. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. What do you, did, did y'all grow up with a tough dad? Any of y'all grew up with a really tough dad? You know, I did. You know what my dad told me? Suck it up, boy. I'll give you something to cry about. You ever, you ever heard that? Anybody ever, yeah, isn't that true? Steve, did you ever hear that? Yeah. I'm going to give you something to cry about after he spanked us, right? And we're crying, behind's on fire, we're like, I'm going to give you something to cry about. You just did, right? The elder says, stop weeping because I got good news, right? He's about to reveal something to him. Here we go. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. It's completely. He can look at it. He's in charge. He has enough power to open it. And now watch what's going to happen. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, capital L, as though it had been slain or sacrificed, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out to all of the earth. Then he came and looked, took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Verse 8, now when he had taken the scroll... By the way, just as a side note, what does it mean when he took the scroll? He had to have what? Authority, strength, and the ability to do this. He's taking the scroll, as it were, from God the Father. Who has the ability to take anything from God? The Son, because they're one. He's coming to present, and he's saying, listen, there's strength and there's authority to come and take this scroll. Not only could he look at it, which no one else could, but he can take it and he can open all seven seals of this scroll. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out to all the earth. Then he came, and he took the scroll, the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Did you know that that's some of your prayers sitting in their bowls? These jokers are in heaven collecting your prayers. Now, there's some tribulation saints come up as well. So if you're not praying, guess what? You're not filling up heaven. 
they're sitting there with the prayers of the saints. And what they're going to do? They're holding them because those, those bowls are going to be used in just a little bit when we get to it. They're filled up. Watch what they're going to do. They're charged with that responsibility. And they sing a new song. Here we go. we got an insight. Here's a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have, have redeemed us to God. How, church? By your blood. It goes right back to the cross, right? It goes back to the cross. Out of every tribe, tongue, and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests. And by the way, the, not, I think the proper here, and you look at some of the earlier translations, it says, and to make you kings, because the elders can't be kings and priests. These creatures can't be kings and priests. So he's talking to make you kings and priests, and you shall reign on earth. You say, well, where do we get that from? We, remember, we come back from chapter 1. you got to look at chapter 1 where he said who we are. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. What's that answer, Mike? Uh, thank you very much. It's a bunch. It's a whole lot. Twelve, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Amen? And then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives, how long, church? He didn't just say forever. He says forever and ever. It's a nonstop God that we have. Listen, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, he loves you. He's not mad at you. But listen, there is a wrath that is coming on this earth. We're going to read about the bowls. We're going to read about the pestilence that's put out on the earth. There is a very turbulent time that's coming on this world. I believe, listen, after chapter 3, you don't see the church mentioned. The ecclesia is not mentioned again. It's not mentioned again until chapter 19. Look for yourself. You can agree to disagree with me. We won't disagree over what we understand about the Word of God if we take the Word of God at what it says. Amen? We'll, we'll, how to explain it, we might disagree a little bit there. I want you to go to your notes. I want you to see this as fast as I can give this to you because we get to celebrate this wonderful Lord's Supper today. We get to take a piece of bread and we get to take a cup and we do this in remembrance of this King of kings, Lord of lords, the Lamb who was slain, the Lion of Judah. Listen, we have the ability to celebrate Jesus today. We've already sang to Him, sang about Him. Listen, we've preached about Him, and now we're going to participate in the very act. He said, do this in remembrance of me until I return. Church, He's coming for us today. He's coming. Listen, you better mark it down. You better get your children ready. You better get your own house in order with the Lord. He's coming for us today. He's coming for you, and if you're lost and you've heard this word, if you've been under the preaching of me for any amount of time, listen, I believe, listen, you're going to set yourself apart that you're going to hear the word of God, and you won't have a chance to be saved. You'll believe the lie. Your heart will be hard saying, what happened? Space aliens took my family. Something weird took my family. I want to tell you the day after the rapture, I won't be here. But some of y'all are going to show up for church the next Sunday and go, where's everybody at? Maybe there's another women's conference this weekend. I want you to know, listen, this is a very serious thing, is it not? 
The Lord wants you to know that you know that you know that you're ready to go, that you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And when you know, listen, you get to live this life. Lord knows there's a lot of troubles, but it's full of hope and love. We did a funeral here. There was a, there was a, a body laying here yesterday, a box with a body in it of a friend of ours. And somebody said to me, that was one of the easiest funerals I've ever seen. And I'm like, well, you went up there speaking. It was hard because this was a friend. But it was easy at the same time because guess what? Her life spoke witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. We went through a discipleship program where we did video testimonies that we've been asking for you to do. Her video testimony blessed my heart because Jeremiah sent it to me and said, hey, this is in the archives. Do you want it? And it was her telling her story how Jesus Christ changed her life. Is that not remarkable? Who knew years ago uh, when things were well for her, she had lost her husband, she had lost her mother, that she was going to make a video testimony about her mental health and about how God had changed her life and how God put his loving arms around her. Who knew that she was going to speak to us in the future, that she was going to tell us a story about her testimony, how Jesus changed her life. I didn't have to worry about talking about hell yesterday. I talked about the hope of heaven that she sees her Savior face to face, that she's seen her husband again who received the Lord Jesus Christ, that she's been reunited, listen, under the banner of Christ. We have a hope, church. Mike read of this hope. Don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. Stupid means you're just stupid. You can't learn. Ignorant means you don't know. There's things we're all ignorant of, amen? You just don't know some things. And then when you learn some things, Paul said, I know you're ignorant. You don't know some things. Let me tell you some things about heaven. Don't worry about those who have died and gone on before you. Listen, when Jesus comes, they get to be raised first. They do get a priority of raising, right? But we who are alive will join with them and remain, listen, together with the Lord forever. We, they get front-of-the-line privileges. I do, I do admit that, right? The dead in Christ get front-of-the-line privileges. But we're going to join with them in, in the air, and we get our new bodies. Heaven's going to be awesome. Let's get these notes super duper fast. God's throne is the origin of cent- and center of all history. Would you agree? Nothing has ever happened without God knowing it. As a matter of fact, when we talk about the three heavens, I didn't finish this because my Mormon friends got on my mind. The first heaven is just what you see with the clouds right there, right? The second heaven is the, we call it outer space. And the third heaven is where God's throne is, the highest level. And most scholars believe that God is at the highest point of the universe at the highest point of heaven is where he lives. In all of world history, there's no time for him. All of history is dictated, if you will, by his, by his command. Except when we sin, what does he do? He makes a way where he can actually use sin for his glory. The devil is God's devil. You think that was sinful, what they did to Jesus Christ on the cross? One of the worst times in human history. But yet, if it were not for the cross, we wouldn't be saved today. God can use all things for his glory. His ways are higher than our ways, says the Lord. God allowed John to take a peek into heaven and see revelations of future events. John could not only describe the glory and and the greatness of what he saw. The views he witnessed could only be described in comparison to. You ever been somewhere? Somebody says, you ever been to Niagara Falls? I never have. They always used to tell me, well, it's it's awesome. It's like, uh, if you ever been to, and they try to compare something else. You ever done that? Going fast. Anybody ever been 120 miles an hour in a vehicle? Anybody ever been 120 miles an hour on a motorcycle? It's different, but it's fun. Both are fun, right? And somebody says, what's it like? And you go, oh, man, it's like, and you, you talk about the hair and the wind blowing, right? And you talk about the, the, how scared you are. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Let's talk about something else. Anybody know how to make cakes, bake cakes, and come out with a perfect cake? Anybody know how to do that? I don't. 
biscuits. Nina can master some. She used to master. I don't know if she still do it. She used to master biscuits here at school because we had a class, a home ec class on that. And only if you, my mom can do that. She's an expert. But when I try to make them, stuff sticks in my finger. And I'm like, how do you do this mess? I've been shown multiple times. Can't do it. But what I want you to understand is when you say, well, it's kind of like, and if somebody, if you go overseas on a mission trip, you go, just eat it, right? That's the missionary rule when you go with us. Just eat it. And somebody says, somebody's like, they see you eating it going, you stick your chopsticks in and pull out this stuff that you had never eaten before, and you eat it, and you go, they say, uh, Pastor, what does it taste like? And what's the answer? Tastes like chicken, right? We do a comparison, so John's comparing what heaven's like. He's never been, listen, he's never been to this place. When he saw Jesus, he saw him being elevated up. He did see him on the Mount of Transfiguration glorified, but nothing like this. Listen, he, that was on earth. Let's give you some answers. John saw heaven opened. He had a grand spiritual reception and was given grand revelations. Revelations mean to reveal. He was, things were revealed to him. John transitioned from Jesus' words to the seven churches of Asia to a God's throne room in heaven. That's from chapter 3 to chapter 4. His transition began, listen, look at verse 1. What does it say? What's the first word in your Bible? On chapter 4, verse 1, what does it say? After these things. After what things? After I've talked to the church, churches, now he's transitioning to future things. Now he's going to go from the church to come up here. The front door is open. Come up here. I want you to have a look. And now we transition to chapter 4. Notice heaven is a real place. I've told you before. John had to reflect on the words of his master told him when he was younger and Jesus when he had headed to the cross. Jesus said he was going to prepare a place for his disciples. And he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, surely I'm coming to get you where I am so you can be where I am. And then he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by him. John appeared overwhelmed by the majesty and sights of heaven. He heard unceasing praise of God coming from the 24 elders, the four living creatures who are before the throne of God, and the multitude of angels. He experienced beauty and glory like never before. I know we can't imagine it because we'd have to say it's like. You'd have to get a thunderstorm, a severe thunderstorm. You'd have to get a loud band of praise music going on. You'd have to get thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people together and have to get the angels here. Listen, we can't do it all, can we? Could you imagine what he heard, what he saw and all he could say is, it's like, listen, it's like, and he just compared it to what he could compare it to, this beauty and this awesomeness in heaven. And listen, he wanted us to know heaven's real, but he talked about all the things of heaven. So when people talk about they died and went to heaven and say, that's all grandma and grandpa, they, John didn't waste his time, did he? His mom's probably passed. John's an elderly man writing this. He's old. He's, he's on the Patmos Island. He's, he's been put over. He's, he's in the... Roman prison, if you will. He's working hard labor. His family's dead. All the other apostles are dead. He didn't say, and I saw Peter. And, and man, I looked over and I saw Andrew. He didn't say any of that. So when somebody says they've been to heaven, they tell you all about people they saw. Man, they're wasting their time. John focused on the one that matters. He focused on the throne of God. God is the centrality of heaven. Listen, the worship of Jesus Christ is central in heaven. Amen? When you look at it, Jesus, the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the focus of heaven, the focus of living this Christian life is Jesus, church. Amen? We worship God the Father. Yes, we do. We worship God the Son. Yes, we do. We worship God the Holy Spirit. Yes, we do. How about you? Amen? We can cheer it for days and for days, can we not? Let's continue. 
John saw his friend, his Savior, his God, Jesus Christ glorified, and he saw him presented as the Lamb of the tribe of Judah, and also the Lion of the tribe of Judah, and the Lamb who had been sacrificed or slain. John described with great delight the beautiful, loud worship of Jesus in heaven. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was, it should say, who was and who is, was repeated by the inhabitants of heaven. Did we not just sing that? We sang that. Did you sing it like you meant it? Did you sing it like you're bored of the throne of God? I had to check my microphone, make sure it wasn't on, because I was singing a little louder than normal. Because the boys and the lady up here kept telling me to sing a little louder. I'm like, I was trying, right? Were y'all trying? Or were y'all afraid of what people in front and behind you were thinking? Our focus was on him. My focus was on him. You're not worthy of my praise. I'm not worthy of your praise. But oh, there's a Savior. Oh, what a Savior who's worthy of our honor and our praise. Amen? He's worthy, church. Listen, He's worthy. The Bible says He's worthy. The elders say He's worthy. The angels say He's worthy. The people of God say what? He's worthy because He's worthy. John heard blessings pronounced on the Lamb who is worthy. Christ was and is to be honored repeatedly. Let Him be honored in your life. John released some of the lyrics of the quote-unquote new song in heaven with great joy the elders and creatures sang of God's glorious redemption through Jesus. The new song proclaimed the finished work of redemption, meaning we've been bought back at a price. The heaviest price heaven could pay, Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it all with his blood. It also proclaimed the future reign of the saints of eternity. Look who you are. Here's my question. Are we ready, church? Are we ready? And the question to you personally as a saint, are you ready, saint? And sinner, let me, say, let me tell you, you're not going. Law sinner, you're not going. I'm not talking to you today. When I talk about heaven, you're like, man, I wish I was going there. You can wish all you want. Listen, until you bow your knee and say, Jesus Christ is Lord, you're not going. Amen? You can give all the money you have to the church. You can give it to the poor. You can do good deeds. You can do everything you want to do, but you're not going to heaven. Jesus said, everyone, listen, he told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You already get the hard part done. Well, your mama did the hard part. The Bible says flesh gives birth to flesh, right? Your mama gave birth to you. She did the hard part. You're here. But then he also says the spirit gives birth to your spirit, meaning that you must come to the place and say, what is the secret? What's the path to heaven? And Jesus said, I'll answer that for you. John 14, 6, I am the secret. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why is it so hard for us to believe? Why is it so hard for us to confess? Why do we kick, as it were, against the, if you ever heard the old the spikes, the pricks that were on, why do we kick against God? Why don't we just bow our knee and say, yes, Lord, yes. Here I am. I know I'm a sinner. You don't, no one has to tell me that. No one has to tell you that. I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You've already paid the price. We celebrated Easter that you died on the cross. You were buried in a borrowed tomb because you didn't plan to stay there. And three days later, I believe God raised you from the dead. If the Bible says if you confess that with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then he goes and says in 13, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But can I tell you, my friends, today, you will not be saved if you will not call. Right? Fire. Call 911. 911. 911. I believe 911 is a safety number. 911 is a good number to call. 911 is my favorite three digits in a row. Someone call 911. And everybody looks around and goes, 911. You ever seen Little Rascals? Quick, call 911. And uh, I don't know who it was. It was the little kids, they, they grabbed the phone. If y'all know what I'm talking about? 
And he says, how do you dial 911? Because they, they couldn't read. Oh, they didn't know the numbers. They knew the number 911. Same thing in the church today. Give your heart life to Jesus Christ. Call upon the name of the Lord. If you call him, you'll be saved. Quick, call on Jesus. That's what you hear preached all the time here. Well, how do you call on Jesus? You simply by praying and say, God, I am a sinner. God, I am sorry for my sins. God, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead, just as your word says. And God, I'm asking you to forgive me my sins and come into my life and make me a Christian. If you confess that to the Lord, he is faithful. He's just. He'll forgive you your sins and he'll cleanse you and make you, I know this is white, he'll make you white as snow, the Bible says. His blood will take away stains of sin in your life. Because you don't have to worry about going to heaven yet. you got to worry about getting in heaven, right? you got to buy your ticket. And the ticket was already purchased for you through the blood of Jesus Christ. So really all you have to do is receive it. You owe a debt of sin to God. But Jesus paid it all. Amen? And we're about to celebrate that celebration. Let me pray for you and then we're going to sing. Listen, we'll give you a time of invitation. We come, we invite you to this very clearly. I hope I'm clear. We want you to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. We don't want you to wait. We don't want you to have an intellectual conversation. If the Spirit of God is moving you, we want you to get up out of your seat and come and say, listen, Jesus Christ spoke to me, and I want to be right with God today. No matter what anybody else thinks, no matter what anybody else says, no matter what time it is, I want to be right with God before I leave this place. Now, can you do it where you're sitting? The answer is yes. But listen, it's a whole lot easier. I've learned when you go to do hard things, when you've got somebody to walk through it with you. It's a whole lot easier for somebody to hold your hand and say, walk this way. You ever done that? Close your eyes, let somebody lead you. That's what you're doing. You're coming out of darkness into the light. And people that are in the light know how to walk in the light. Or at least they should be walking in the light because they're in the light. So this invitation, every time we sing, every Sunday, we invite you to come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. We invite you to come and say, I want to be obedient to Christ in baptism. I want, I want to come and, man, I need to pray for my friends because I have not been praying. If, if there's an elder holding my prayers, he's got an empty bowl. If there's somebody holding on my prayers, listen, there's nothing in the cup because I don't pray, I don't spend time, I'm too busy. Today's the day of new beginnings. Listen, heaven's real. God awaits you. Listen, Jesus has prepared this place and we're going, church. We're going and it could be today. Are you ready to go? Let me pray for us. Father God, in the precious and powerful name of Jesus, I ask that you move in people's heart. Lord, if people are members of this church, that doesn't make them saved. They should be. If people are lost, Lord, and they know they're lost as a ball in the woods, that doesn't change things. Lord, you preach this gospel so that people would be born again and know that they know that they know that they're saved. If somebody just came in the door and be our guest today, Lord, they didn't come by accident. You brought them here because, Lord, you want them to be right with you. You want them to be right with each other. And, Father, you want us to let our light so shine to the world that people may see our good works and bring glory to you, our Father in heaven in heaven. What a beautiful day that will be when we see you face to face. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for whatever decision people are making today. I pray, Lord, your will be done and that your name will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. Hey,